about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Wednesday here on Westwood One. You are listening to the Steve Day Show podcast powered by CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. We would love it if you would join us and let us know what you think about what we think. Here's how. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We just wrapped up. Production for today's television show for CRTV. Let's uh, give the audience a hint of what's to come. Aaron. I just had a random idea before I preview the show. This is how we do things at the show here. We don't. There's no plan. There's no. There's no real plotting behind the scenes. What if we flipped on Facebook Live for like half the podcast every every day or so, or every other day or something like that? Wouldn't that be kind of fun? I I don't care. <laughs> There you have it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks for the uh, thanks for the input there. Um, I uh, <laughs> I uh, increasingly I said this on the show, and you'll see it on the show the way we talk about this. Increasingly, the uh, every every single fevered dream straw man um, kind of uh, image or icon of the left that the right has dreamed up at any point during my lifetime. And I've done, every, I've done some of that dreaming up in my own career. Every, every single day this week, that has been realized. That has become reality in one way, shape, or form or another. Um, and, and then, uh, again, we, we basically did, t- did the same show two days in a row. It was a completely different topics, though, um, as, as far as what we actually... But it was the court's. And the unhingedness of the left. And um, when we do, sh- we are rapidly heading towards a time, and I said this yesterday, where there's not, there, there's going to be a whole lot of, uh, a lot of trouble. And I think Todd's final response today on the roundtable um, is one that you will want to hear because it puts into per- perspective a lot of what we've been talking about this week. And we've got King Manasseh over there in the White House. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, saying let's do amnesty again. So the same day, his political the political party's in charge of puts out this devastating ad. I mean, the left's own words on camera, their own actions showing they are unhinged. He's he's back to again. Well, let's give him millions more new voters to make it utterly impossible to beat them in a national election for the foreseeable future, so they can become even more unhinged than this, right? Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Makes perfect sense, you bet. Todd. Well, we saw on the show the most epic secret handshake fail ever. <laughs> when, when Keith Ellison got caught, you know, saying, he, he's like, Jake. Jake, these aren't supposed to be the ground yeah, rules. That's thought, how the media works here. You're not supposed to question us. You know that, right, Jake? When I say racist, I mean, as soon as I say racist, uh, I can't be a racist. I mean, those are the rules. Yeah. Right? I got a D Jake, after my name. come on now. Dude. Yeah. Jake, Jake, I love you, man. But, but you're guilty I'm, of uh, committing journalism I'm, here, Jake. You I'm, can't I'm, do that. I'm a little bit higher up the, the intersectionality totem pole than yes. you are, with all due respect. Yes. That was gold, Jerry. Gold. Yes, it was. You don't want to miss it. Coming up today at CRTV.com. If you're not yet a subscriber, today, as Worf used to say, today's a good day to die. Uh, CRTV.com. If you use my name as a promo code, you'll be able to get a discounted subscription to CRTV. How discounted? How about a quarter a day? That's all it will cost you. Quarter a day to watch us. The great one, Mark Levin, so many others here. CRTV.com. You can catch Steven Crowder's show before the Texas Democratic Party firebombs his van. That and more available to you for just a quarter a day here at CRTV.com. All right, let's get to it. It is by Seller Hold. Each Wednesday, our producer Aaron, with a little help from his friends out there, you in the audience, puts forth a series of uh, statements, hopefully provocative, not lame. Todd and I will decide, are we buying that? Are we selling that? Maybe have a reason why. Once per show, if you're new, you are permitted to use a hold. However, 
because the dude code is always in effect. It is considered gutless to not make a call when put on the spot unless the call you're being asked to make really just is beneath your dignity. It's just so lame. It it doesn't merit a response. Barring that, if you invoke a hold, you will be mercilessly, mercilessly scourged here live on the air for violating the due code. Aaron, go ahead. Jacob Arthur getting off uh, on a on a just the right foot for a buy seller hold. Uh, he says it's all over. Nothing matters. Smod, come quickly. Um, in what context does nothing matter? Um, I'm gonna just, s- yeah, but not before the newest book from Steve Dace hits shelves. <laughs> okay. that's the only other context. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd kind of like to wait. And you haven't seen it yet. I got a sneak peek of the cover on my Twitter feed and on our Facebook wall. You can check it out today. What would you guys think of the it's cover? Excellent. Oh, it's you great. Like it? yeah, it's I can't really take any credit for it, by the way, man. That's the publisher does all of that. You know, they they asked me for some feedback. Of re- they're like, we're really having a hard time coming up with a cover for this. Not like the rules for Patriots cover. That's a co- total takeoff of Alinsky's rules for radicals, just with patriotic flair. That was entirely my idea. All right. The nefarious plot cover was entirely the publisher's idea. And the first time I saw it, it blew me away and we went with it. This one was a little bit more of a collaborative effort. And when I say collaborative, I did like 20%. They did 80. So the 20% I gave them is they, they, they worked on this for weeks and they couldn't come up with something they liked. And they came back to me and said, what do you want? And I said, I want something that says, and this was the email I wrote back. I want something that when somebody looks at it at a bookstore, it says, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. That's what I want. Fire, fire, fire. <laughs> yes. I am Cornwallio. Yes, that's what I wanted. Uh, and they sent this to me uh, last week and I said, that's what I asked for. That's it. Yeah. And so they did 80% of it. They just used my 20% uh, contribution as a muse. And then they went from there. Uh, and you can see it on our Facebook wall and on our Twitter feed. It's going to be out this Christmas. I'll give you an exact date soon. Um, and uh, you'll, we'll be doing pre-sales on Amazon here before too long. So I'm going to sell for now that nothing matters. Because I, I certainly want things to matter between now and December when my book comes out. Um, but shortly after my book comes out, if Smod would like to arrive then, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it. It it all matters. I mean, it's it's colossally dumb at the same time. But yeah, yeah, it, it matters. So I'm selling. Daniel Olson says, given that your state unions are one of the foundational legs of... I, I'm sorry, given that you, state unions, are one of the foundational legs of progressivism... Buy or sell that the Janus ruling is the most important ruling of this term and will lead to the destruction of public unions. Well, that's, that's I'm a straw man in there. Uh, I, well, I think it's overall very good analysis. comes actually right out of Rules for Patriots, where I point out the government sector employee unions are one of the four legs of the progressive stool and the only Republican in my lifetime that it, up until now had done anything to try and, and attack one of these shibboleths was your governor, Scott Walker, did it successfully in Wisconsin. So I think the end of that statement goes too far. But since I like overall where he's tracking, and I do think that's clever analysis, you're taking away one of their primary recruitment and funding streams to, man, to, to perpetuate themselves. So, um, and I think this one has the least, the least, and Daniel agreed with me on this on the show today. This one has the least opportunity to be overturned in some roundabout way. Like Citizens United, they've been trying to put a dent in that for 15 years, and they can't. Okay, so I think this one probably has the long, the longest staying power. So because of that, I think the 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 very end's too optimistic. But because in general, I think this guy gets it. I'm buying. What well, did he? I was perhaps confused at the beginning. Did he say because Steve thinks? Yeah, so Steve, you've said this before that mm-hmm. unions are one of the foundational legs of public sector. See, that's public what I married yeah. the straw man yeah. potentially was. Okay, so um, I wasn't yeah. sure if Daniel was saying given that your uh, given that your state unions or given that you state unions, I think he might have just forgotten to put on public. And sector I think it's unions. very important to private sector unions are not as good as they used to be years ago either. They have moved left. Uh, with the public sector unions, but there also there aren't many private sector unions left anymore. A lot of those jobs are gone, sadly or not so sadly, depending on your viewpoint. And that's and that's given more and more power to the public sector employee unions. That's who really are. That's your hard 
leftists. I mean, even most of your private sector union people tend to vote about 60, 40, 70, 30 Democrat. But the, the public sector ones, it's like 90, 10. And they're the ones that show up and scream. They're the ones that show up and throw feces and tampons and try to intimidate you. So that's why I'm buying. Um, I'm selling just because it's a little too optimistic about the lessons that should be uh, learned about this. I mean, for it to go that far, what you need to understand is why public sector unions are such a uh, constitutional travesty uh, in the first place. And Well, a philosophical. You're, you're all everybody's playing with house money you're, you're not there's not at least in private sector unions you're dealing with uh you, 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 neither side can go ultimately bend towards destruction um because uh you realize that there's a breaking point for both sides you've to toggle it too far there is no such breaking point for public sector unions within their negotiation it's not a negotiation they sit there laughing about how they're going to split up other people's money in a private sector it's always your money to some extent well said uh constantinos Rilaitis says before the november Take a drink. Yes. Uh, before the November election, a Republican politician or someone in the Trump administration will be physically assaulted. Well, I mean, we just ran. We've already had this. Rand Paul just got beat up at his house a few months ago. We, we've already had this, you know, so this is an easy buy. Do you know for sure if that was politically motivated? No one has said for sure it was not. So... Um, I'm, I'm going to, uh, this is an easy buy. I think it's an easy buy. You could interpret, depending on the way you see the Rand Paul situation, that it already occurred. And, um, even if you don't agree with that interpretation of, of what happened at Rand Paul's house last year, we, near assassinations, death threats, you're accosting people in public. I mean, it's... It's a matter of time, Todd. Yep. Bye. Don't wish it. It's just connecting dots. Yep. Katie Petrick says yet another rendition of We Are the World will be made by the midterms. This time it will be USA for open borders. Uh, the real question is who will lead the charge, John Legend, Sia, or Willie Nelson? <laughs> That's actually very clever. Um, I don't think they're clever enough to come up with stuff like that. You know, the celebrities of our generation do, uh, I pledge allegiance to Barack Hussein Obama. Remember that video that Demi Moore and mm-hmm. Ashton Kutcher did in the 08 election and all that? That's more their speed. That's, that's the stuff the old liberals do. That stuff. Today's leftists, uh, there's no we are the world. There's you aren't the world. Okay? You aren't. All right, so remember for Hillary, they did uh, "This Is My Fight" song. Yes, yeah. yeah I don't oh. think we're getting. I don't think we're getting any bleeding heart homages. Nope. You're getting uh, marching orders, man. Yes, that's what you're getting. All right, you're getting the Soviet Nash. You're getting a freaking May Day parade yes. down in, in Lenin Square. That's today's leftists. God bless. The, what's her name? Um, let's see, Katie Patrick. God bless you, Katie. That's clever thinking, but sister. That's a bygone era. They're not. They're not. In, they're not into wooing us anymore. Okay. Uh, this isn't. We're not, this isn't. The Eagles aren't singing. Uh, I like the way your sparkling earrings lay against your skin so brown, and I'd like to sleep with you in the desert tonight. Okay, with a million stars all around. There's no wooing happening here. It is. I rattled my zipper. Come hither, or you're a racist, bigot, homophobic, xenophobe whose bomb, whose fi, whose van should be firebombed. That's where we're at now. What he said. This is the um, this is the leftist uh, theme song. As I wait for this to load on YouTube. Uh, let me. Okay. All I want to do, gunshot, 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 and take your money. That's basically what the left is. Uh, Rocco says, Incredibles 3 will take another 15 years, but will be more overtly conservative than the last two. Rocco, I will buy this and I will remember your tweet. 
in 15 years, I promise. I don't think they'll wait 15 years to do another one. No, they won't. No. Much sooner. Yeah, it'll be much sooner. So. Uh, Oregon Redskins says the war on right-wing women continues as another female member of Team Trump is harassed in public. This time, offenders will ask for get-out-of-jail card with Aunt Maxine. Bye. We just add that. I didn't really understand all of that. Um, so uh, here, can, get, Let me give the audience some tips, some of you in the audience, okay? And I mean this sincerely. Some of you, the reason you're a stockbroker and I'm not is I know how the stock market works, but I don't know how to work the stock market. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You do. And that's why, you know, me, I'll get informed enough to ask the right questions when I come to your office for advice, but I'm asking you for advice, okay? So if, when you have a point you want us to make, uh, this isn't Night at the Improv or America's Got Talent. Don't try to one-up us with the one-liners, you know, because uh, chances are you won't be as good at it. That's why we're on this side of the equation and we get paid, okay? So w- don't try to make it too clever. Don't try to put nine different phrases in there. Make it real simple. I'm gonna diagram a sentence for us if you want us to do it. Subject, predicate, period. Don't veer off with any other cross-sections. Don't diagram the sentence. You know, make it real simple. Is that okay? Yes. Okay, because I have no idea what the hell that was. So I can't answer it. (laughs) Tony Mercer says, emboldened by his Supreme Court victory, Trump will institute a new travel ban on Canada. That's better. Um, I'll sell, but I do think he could try and ban uh, Trudeau's travel. (laughs) I could could see him putting Trudeau on a a Homeland Security list, but uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Ordinary Steve says the economy will lag noticeably because of tariffs but not until after the November elections, enabling the feckless R's to maintain their majority over the dastardly D's. I'd sell. I think you're already seeing the impact of this now. Um, You're already seeing Trump in open warfare with venerated American companies. Um, It's not even June 30 yet. There's a lawsuit against them. Yeah. Class action almost kind of. It's not technically class action, I don't think, but it's happening. Yeah, I I don't think so. I don't don't think the tax cut was big enough. And by raising the cost of your goods and services, um, they're wiping out some of what that tax cut, that tax cut. Uh, got some of you. I think for me, it's about, did I say it was about $110 a pay period and we get paid every other week here, right? So, uh, you know, that's what I got. Um, it, you're going to see that and the, the increasing cost with gasoline and everything else. He's working against his own economic policy right now. So, no, I don't believe that they will uh, get out of jail free where that's concerned if he persists in this, Todd. I don't. I agree entirely. I brought that up on the... Um television show uh today um but this is all part of uh the one who is uh dumbest last loses you know when you are uh he's throwing this as you like to say he's he's throwing the sabo into the gears of his own economy but then but then on the same news cycle you know right now the the entire left and the media is throwing hosannas for a 20 year old socialist as the face of their future you know it's so Will it matter? I don't know. I mean, know. You, have, you, you essentially have a president that has no definable worldview and is, in many respects is governed by the same impulses of the other side, meaning he wants things to be true simultaneously that aren't and cannot be. You know what I'm saying yeah. by that? I mean, the idea that if I, if I gain enough power, I can affect outcomes outside of the way the universe works because mm-hmm. I'm just that special. That's actually a, a progressive mindset. Mm-hmm. That kind of magical thinking. You know, we just don't see it a lot because he's trying to use it most of the time. I shouldn't say most of the time. How about much of the time? Are we comfortable with that term? Much of the time. Enough of the time. That's a better one. Enough of the time he's using this magical thinking to generate outcomes we like. All right? Which is why often we arrive at the place 
we are we seem to arrive at the place enough of the times that we ultimately wanted to get to all along, but the road there is utterly painful. Yeah. Because he that's 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 the lack of a cohesive worldview at work. The world is not subject predicate period for Donald Trump. And much like leftists who won't take yes for an answer, meaning they they don't want to get Donald Trump on he's 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 doing tariffs that are raising taxes on the very people he just cut taxes for. That's a pretty good argument. Are any of them making it? No. They want to get him on. He could. Uh, he colluded with Russia and stole the election. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. They they are they are adamant that they must win on the grounds that they deem acceptable. That they're like they're out there calling his non-Muslim ban a Muslim ban. Right. I'm not saying I agree with it. I actually. Uh, opposed this thing publicly during the primary, as you guys will all recall, and made a lot of you angry when I did. Um, that being said, uh, that actually that branding is going to actually help Trump. There's a lot of Americans that are perfectly fine with having a Muslim ban, seeing what it's what has what Islam, Islam, Islamization has done to Europe and everywhere else. There, I don't that branding won't work for them. You know what I mean? That, that's again that every voter moved to the polls by we're banning Muslims. They were already going to get every one of those people, and they've probably already voted nine times. There's, there's no one who's going to decide who, whether the House flips in November. No, literally no one. There's no one left in America. I promise this is true. There's, there's no suburban voter in, in, uh, in, in Kansas City who's like, oh, damn it, I wasn't sure what to do on November 6th, but Trump's doing a Muslim ban, so I guess that's my, that's going to, that guy doesn't exist. No such voter exists. Every voter who cares Trump's doing a quote-unquote Muslim ban that isn't a Muslim ban. But every voter who cares about that, they already had that voter. There was nothing more they could say. They don't have to keep re-engaging them. They were already going to show up. And so the issue becomes a loss leader because the more you keep bringing up, then you're telling other people, I'm pro-Islam. That's what you see what I'm saying? And you, you generate a reverb against you. You've already maximized that investment. Stop selling me. I bought it. But, but they refuse to win on, just to win. They must win on the grounds they deem acceptable. Trump is the same way. If, 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 if the win does not result in someone acknowledging his manifest superiority that exists in the, only rec- in the recesses of only his own debased mind, he will not take it. He won't. That's why there's no 4D chess, guys. That's, that's why there's no plan. There's just that, there, this is Manasseh. I'm just as likely to saw the prophet in half as I am to listen to him. What day is it? That's it. That's what it is. There's no grand scheme. He's not talking about amnesty again today like some of you are claiming in my feed. He's going to show the Democrats don't want anything other than amnesty by flaunting amnesty. By flaunting amnesty, he's going to show the Democrats don't want anything but amnesty. There's no plan. Everybody, hey, hey, raise your hand. Just like I said, there's no voter in America who hadn't already made up their minds who's going to vote against the Republicans because Trump's for a Muslim ban. That person doesn't exist. Neither is there a single voter in America who will go to the polls in November who's not mind-numbed and has a freaking IQ above 16 who doesn't know that the Democrats are the amnesty party. Think that person exists? Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there's legions of suburban moms who will pour out of their megachurches in suburban Dallas, who otherwise weren't going to vote Republican, and will learn on November 5th, hot damn, Democrats are for amnesty. Why didn't anybody tell me this? Come on, guys. There's a reason it looks random. Why do you think it looks random? It's random. Because it's random. That's why it, it looks random. Because it's random. That's, that would be why it looks random. Why, why do I look like I still have a pot belly? Why did I look like I still have one? Yeah, got one. I have a pot belly. That's why I, I, Looks like that. We're just I, calling I, balls and strikes. That, that, I mean, it, it's random. It, it, this is why he's all over the place. Four-dimensional chess sets traps and sticks to their own messaging once the trap is sprung and has shown it's successful. It doesn't inadvertently spring a trap, get its opponents to fall for it, take the trap away, and then say, you know what, on second, I'll throw the trap back out there. <laughs> okay? Uh, you know who does that? Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits in here. That's who does that. That guy, all right? Trapper John, master of the freaking frontier, doesn't do that, guys. 
Stop lying to yourselves. You'll be better at this. It's random because it's random. Uh, let's see. Todd Saffold Aaron is not says, digging this week's episode of Bison. <laughs> I think we're taking ourselves very seriously. Uh, both the Dems and the GOP think whoever's dumbest last loses isn't a warning, but a challenge. Ooh, that's actually well said. Um, they, neither side is doing this on purpose. But they're so broken. You have one guy, one side led by a guy that has no systemic worldview of any magnitude other than ego. And another side's ego is driven by their systemic worldview, which is all bad. <laughs> all right? You put those two things together, and you have one group of people who have purposely placed themselves on the wrong side of history because they're open opponents to history's ultimate adjudicator. And another guy thinks he's history's ultimate adjudicator. When you have this, you will have smart people who aren't on purpose trying to look bad or lose. But the end result of denying the most basic fact of the universe, there is a God, you are not him, creates this folly, right? It's why the, it's, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. I think that's what you're watching play out. Although I like where he's going yeah, with this. I agree. I, I, in my mind, the visual I, I translate that with is it, these people on both sides. If I just put one more piece into my Rube Goldberg machine, it'll all work. It'll be the most mm. beautiful thing. It, the uh, the music of the spheres will emanate from it. We will have our nirvana. No, both sides are irrevocably broken. That only happens. That's uh, it, only accentuated with uh, every piece that you add on to your little machine. So, yeah, he's right. Chuck Gregory says, Cable news outlets attempt to persuade and guilt viewers that it is unpatriotic to celebrate the 4th of July this year because... Bye. Insert any grievance. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Someone will do... There will be a column. There will be a segment. Yes. Somewhere. Same people that gave you on Christmas Day... Did Jesus ever live? There yes. aren't not even professional theological skeptics or historians who think the Bible is bunk deny Jesus lived. Okay? Same people that said that published articles, why can't we hate men? Same people publishing articles this week that are saying, um, we don't have a lack of civility, we have a lack of democracy. So keep accosting these people. Count on it by. Yeah, I mean you'll you'll have I July 4th in chains next. Dun, dun, dun. Trucks, trucks, more trucks. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, who's, who was that for? Chuck Gregory. All right, so listen, the Steve Day Show podcast uh, taketh away. The Steve Day Show podcast giveth. If you can do what Chuck Gregory just did, by all means, swing away. But if you can't, we're not that smart here. Keep your propositions simple so we can understand them. There we go. Uh, Henry Reyna says, the Southern Baptist Convention will affirm women as pastors in five years. Bye. 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 Sorry. Bye. Aaron, help me with this. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but I'm going to, okay? Mm-hmm. I can't get myself to care about this uh, it's the well, not, not this issue i mean the southern baptist convention and it, i understand it's the largest most influential denomination of american evangelicalism so many friends i have in our movement around the country our sbc this what's going on there i it is becoming like the the, the church version of the marijuana issue i I can't make myself get fired up about this one way or the other. Can you the, help explain what's, why that is? The only reason that I care about it is because of what you just said. It's the largest evangelical denomination, quote unquote, um, in in the United States. Also, it, you, I mean, you've cited this as well multiple times that it's the only denomination to go from the go left, left and come back, yeah, uh, back to the right, and so to see it go back to the left again. Um, but it's not like it's God's anointed church or anything i just care about it because i think it's significant my official catholic position on this is roll tide um i'm gonna sell 
I don't think you will see that, actually. I think they will do everything short of that, potentially. Because that that is crossing a line. Um that you you can't come you probably aren't ever coming back from as a that's your li- that that's your line between American Baptist and Southern Baptist if you go there right so I could see them doing everything they could to give women every position of leadership in a church minus the title of pastor including creating an entirely new ecclesiastical office to do it there were some people at this year's convention that wanted Beth Moore to be president which would be an argument, right? Yeah. Well, why can't a woman be president of a denomination? It's not the same as pastor. Right. Okay? So um, I, I, I don't think we'll see them go directly there, at least not in the next five years. Oh, you're roll tight. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, Micah Don Arrington says Elaine Chow is a boss. Son of a gun, Micah. I'll buy. Just this once. She's a boss? That's what we're debating? Just this, just that time. Sal, I can't do it. I. So she was cornered. You can't. These Marxist bastages. I can get to the point of having some sympathy for her. Hold on. You know that was some. Might have to try a new Chick-fil-A. Um, I, I I can get to the point. Can I? You want to wait? I, you, you I need, need a moment? moment. Yeah, yeah come me. come out in the light of day. Go on offense. Convince your husband not to hide behind you. And instead, you know, go out and lead. Like Because I think in his title, it says leader somewhere. You know, then, then we'll talk. Then you're a boss. I saw a leftist calling Mitch McConnell a... Uh, a coward because he let his wife defend him and i'm like isn't that like a really really sexist thing to say are you implying yes. that women aren't as capable of defending their loved ones as men are or uh, yeah that really really sexist not to mention i, I kind of thought gender was uh, irrelevant. a social construct yeah. and irrelevant yeah. but I, these marxist passages have got me to the point of contemplating i'm comfortable saying that contemplating some level of sympathy for the mcconnells but you're still going to call him ditch, right? Yes. Okay. Short of being completely different people in Washington than they have shown themselves to be the last 30 years, I'm never, ever appropriating like a boss to the McConnell family. No. Gary says Disney fires Kathleen Kennedy by October. Dave Filoni of Rebels is put in charge and Star Wars is rebooted after episode nine. That is a dream scenario. I think Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy Townsend's toast. If you would have stopped right there, I, I would agree. I think she's done. I think that's over. She's toast. Um, I don't know that we will be as fortunate as to get a guy who so gets it like Dave Filoni does. And for those that don't know who aren't fanboys, he ran the very successful Star Wars animated universe in the years from... Uh, episode three, Revenge of the Sith, to what we see now, the new universe, which is still going. They're actually starting a new show this fall about the, the, the continuing of the early years of the resistance against the First Order. Um, and these shows have all been critically acclaimed. They've all been successful, extremely faithful to the Star Wars canon. They're so well written. They've done a great job filling in some of the gaps of history, you know, between the movies and stuff. Some really cool moments have happened. That to me would be your dream scenario. I, I just, when was the last time something that we really cared about in this culture ended with the dream, when it was, when it was imperiled, ended with the dream scenario fix, Todd? The McRib came back. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, my name's not Todd. Go ahead, Todd. Well, even when we think we get it, we don't get it. When they named J.J. Abrams, they're like, could you do better, man? Right. No, yeah, it's not right. so much. So... And I don't, they, he, to me, I you've watched these, so I, I trust you on this, but I, I know these things are, air quotes, canon. Mm-hmm. But just exactly how much, are, it's one thing to say A it. Lot. It's another thing to, and it seems like they, they showed their hand on that to me in the most convincing way by what happened with Solo in a bit part with Maul. Like mm-hmm. they're telling you. Yep. 
So that for that's for because if you guys are if you went and saw Solar, like how's Darth Maul alive yeah. thirty years right. later? Uh, this is that's because this was established as canon in the Star Wars animated universe. How Darth Maul was brought back from the dead. Yeah. Before that, I would say, do they really mean that about the cartoon world? Like that's something they say you, to you to keep you more interested and a sense of continuity. But if they really mean if. Now it mean, it seems more logical. I don't know who this guy is at all because I don't watch those shows. But um, I'll I'll buy. All I know is Kathleen. This is an indictment that progressivism is has it has also now ruined Star Wars. She's toast. I mean, she will not. There will not be. I don't believe there will be. An, uh, they're already making episode nine, right? That's already. I mean, they start filming next year. There is script writing, pre production now. I don't believe another Star Wars film will be officially greenlit by her. I, that, I'm, that's how confident I am. She's done. I think what we don't know is going to happen is what is what happens next. And I think what was the guy's name who sent this to us? This was Gary. Gary, this is your best case scenario. I'm going to sell only because recent history has shown when something that is cherished in our culture falls on ill repair, we don't seem capable of resurrecting it. Uh, but um, I want you to be right, though. I want you to know that. So and I'm not selling out of spite, only because um, my heart is broken. Moving on to Matthew Fanning, who says the Democrats will change their name to the Democratic Socialist Party before the next elections. So, so I could see it happening in the future. Yeah. And I mean, like the near future, like I could see it in the next 20, five to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. But but they're not going to go there. See, they're not they're. I go back to there's a reason the three three arguably the three most prominent Democrats in America today, Pelosi, Schumer, and Axelrod, are out there distancing themselves from this. They have these are people that have won elections. Pelosi in San Francisco, she knows this is, she's she is represents the headquarters of this segment of the of her party's base. Axelrod ran arguably the most successful nationwide Democratic campaign since FDR. You could make that argument with Obama's first election. This wasn't Bill Clinton getting 42% of the vote in a three-way race with Ross Perot in the race, siphoning off some of Bush's Mm -hmm. support. I mean, he won a decisive national election for the presidency, and a Democrat hadn't really done that, at least a new one, one that didn't have the power of incumbency. Mm -hmm. When was the last time we saw something like that? A long time ago, guys. That's why I went back to FDR. Um, you know, what did Kennedy win by? 10,000 votes in Chicago or something, right? That determined the presidential election in 1960. So these are heavyweights. They're in tune to where the electorate is. There's a reason they're distancing themselves from this mobocracy. And it's because, at the very least, they're not 100% confident that the American public writ large is willing to or capable of accepting this as mainstream Democratic Party yet. Now, we are approaching an era where may not, their opinions may not matter much longer, where we are approaching an era where they're just, like you saw with that New York race, we'll just go get a woman who, who claims ICE was invented by George W. Bush in 2003 to discriminate and be a terrorist organization against, um, against Hispanics. Well, ICE actually has been around for like decades. It changed its name from INS to ICE in 10,003 or 2003. That's that's brought to you by the same people who tell you that um, AR stands for assault rifle when it doesn't. Okay, that's this week's lie. Well, ICE was just invented by George W. Bush in 2003 to go after Hispanics. No, it just changed its name from INS to ICE in 2003. That's not true. So I don't think we're there yet. But I don't think we're that far off either. So I think the current Democrat power structure is at least going to wait through 2020. Get the baby boom generation that Trump represents another four or five years to die off, right? Before they test, are you guys really ready for the truth and branding to come out? But it won't happen before 2020. But that's probably only because age is actually a constitutional factor in who runs for president because... Odds otherwise would be just as likely that this New York gal and David Hogg would be running for president and vice president. Preach. In 10 years. Mm-hmm. One of the smartest, and you've said that you've been on a run of smart stuff lately. Thank you. And you, I'm, I'm dead serious when I say that. One of the smarter things you have said recently, next to whoever's dumbest last loses, coining that phrase, was that David Hogg was essentially the face of the modern Democratic Party. That's right on the money. Yep. Oh. 
A equals A says, after taking note of the civil war mentality of the current news cycle, a member of the Steve Day show buys a handgun for self-defense. I'm at the point. Maybe I should just give you guys mine. I mean, you have daughters and I do not. If you guys don't already have handguns. I have taken to not specifically answering this that's, question. Yeah, you'll, you'll know if I have one if I have to brandish it. Mm-hmm. Understood. Uh, let's see. Mud Weasel says Trump will declare victory on his trade war and temporarily stop piling on tariffs before the med- midterms. That's bye. 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 Listen, see, that guy, guys, Trump could Trump could we could Trump could literally overdo the McNuggets. Crap his freaking pants, brown spots, seepage out his backside at the podium at a major diplomatic event and claim victory. All right. That, anything, I mean, literally, there is nothing, not anything that has Trump and, cl- and claim victory. It doesn't matter what comes after it. Bye. Yes, that, and that, I was kind of going to go there when you made a comparison between him and uh, uh, progressives earlier. That's the He's, because of what you've said about him being more shameless... You know the the progressives will just uh, that this was a righteous loss, or they'll they'll hug that one tight. You, you, Trump will just he will do exactly what you no just more, said. No more victories. Everything is a win, yes. no matter what. He will do it for sure. You no, know? no matter what. The rapture could happen. Maybe, maybe if we're lucky, like a third of Trump's evangelical council would get taken up. Maybe if we're lucky. Um, People, people dropping from planes, tracks, right? And he's out in the middle shaking it. This is a win. We MAGA, have too many people MAGA. anyway. MAGA thinning the herd. More jobs. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. We're not left behind. They, we saved the best for last. That was nice. Uh, well played. Did you um, like that? Yes. Top 10 college football games of all time. According to Sports Illustrated, I've been trying to hold off the football countdown lists, trying to get the delayed gratification. I just, no, I can't even with not. I am, football. I am your grand Moff Tarkin. Okay, when it comes to football now, you may fire when ready. Okay, okay, uh, I'm good. Please, with that. please, yes. actually, <laughs> um, number ten. This is from Sports Illustrated. I think this is pretty good. Yeah, we need football. What we need, uh, roll out the b- barrels. Um, Number 10. This is from Sports Illustrated, and I think this is pretty good. The 1965 Orange Bowl, Texas 21 to Alabama 17. Now, can I just say really quick, I saw yeah. breaking. I, I was going to bring this up at okay. the very end. Okay, yeah. then we, I'll yeah, leave it to you. We right? have some major breaking news. We will address it. We're almost to the end of the podcast. We will close by addressing it. Thank you for noting that. You know, I'm a college football historian, as you guys well know. Seriously, I mean, I, I'm like an idiot Samant where this is concerned. I don't, I mean, is this where they broke out the wishbone? What, what's the historical significance of this game? Are Let's they saying? Let's see. It is a meeting of two 60s powers in the first night game in bowl history. Texas upset number one Alabama, stopping Joe Namath inches short of the goal line on a fourth down sneak. Okay. All right. Then I'll buy that, I guess. You got Darryl lo- Royal against Bear Bryant. So, I think okay. a lot more of these are more recognizable than that. Okay. Uh, let's see, number nine, 2003 Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State 31, Miami 24. Uh, yeah, that would absolutely be on my list. One of the greatest games I've ever seen. The, that's the, um, who's their freshman running Maurice back? Maurice Claret game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the, Miami got called for the Phantom pass Wait, interference. Pass interference, yeah. They're wearing those sweet green uniforms they yeah. bust out every now and then. That, the, there's something like 70 guys on the two rosters of those two teams that went on to play in the NFL, it's some crazy number of pros in that game. So that absolutely belongs on the list, you bet. Sure, and I'm, I'm going to sell on the other game. I can come up with all kinds of games yep. greater than that last one we just had. But this one belongs on the list. Number eight, the 1987 Fiesta Bowl. Penn State yes. 14, Miami 10. Yep, number one versus number two. Uh, we had a rare year where the top two teams, this is before playoffs and bowl, uh, bowl BCSs, and so we'd often have shared championships, right? But the final two top-ranked teams were both independents. Miami and Penn State were not in conferences at the time. They, so they got to go to the Fiesta Bowl, and the Fiesta Bowl got a special waiver 
favor from the NCAA with NBC's help to go a night later on January 2nd after all the other bowl games were played to have a true championship game. Hurricanes come off the plane wearing the fatigues. There's so many pro guys on that Miami Hurricane team. They were so much more talented, by the way, than that Penn State club. That was not one of that was a very good Penn State team, but not one of their more talented teams. You get past DJ Dozier and Shane Conlon, and you probably could name four or five other pros from that Penn State team. When there's 25 guys in that Miami team that play in the NFL, huge upset absolutely belongs on the list. You bet. I'm gonna make sure I listen to his commentary before I answer. So yeah, because <laughs> I really I. I vaguely remember, but then once he talks about it, then I instantly remember, so yes. Number seven, the 1980 Holiday Bowl, BYU 46, SMU 45. Yeah, Yeah, this is Jim McMahon's Hail Mary Pass against uh, the the Pony Express, Mm -hmm. right? Craig James and Eric Dickerson, one of the most famous bowl games of all time, sort of considered the game that put Lavelle Edwards and BYU uh, nationally on the map. So I'm okay with it being there, yeah. Okay. Uh, number six, the 1979 Cotton Bowl, Notre Dame 35, Houston 34. Uh, Joe Montana comes off the bench, yes. right? Mm-hmm. In, it's like minus chicken soup. Yep, he's got the flu. He's had the stomach flu all week. They load him up with chicken soup and uh, and uh, an IV to get him on the field. It's a, a like record cold in Dallas. Ice storm and everything else. Houston's running the old Veer. If you don't know what that offense is, take a look at today's spread option offense. And it's the veer and the shotgun. That was the offense Houston was running. Uh, Joe Montana uh, led Notre Dame to the national title the year before. This is a very... I don't think it's a great game. I wouldn't put it on the list, okay? It, his performance, though, is what is what everybody knows about it, you know? But I don't believe it's one of the 10 greatest games ever. I, I can't dissent. It, my dissent must be absolutely strong for... I think I might be fired otherwise. This seems like like dog. No, you're allowed your own opinion. Just it better be good. Yeah, oh, trust. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number five. I thought that's what I just said. <laughs> 1979 Sugar Bowl, Alabama 14. Oh yeah, Penn, Penn State, State seven. The goal yeah. line stand. This absolutely has to be on the list. There's a great story about this game. Number one versus number two. Uh, Miami and Alabama for the national championship. Bear Bryant versus Joe Paterno. Very good friends. And Penn State calls a timeout on fourth and goal from the one to decide what play they're going to run. And one of the Penn State players, they come out from the huddle, they're waiting for TV to come back, and one of the Penn State players is standing there close to the Alabama sidelines, one of their wide receivers, I think it was, getting set for the uh, the game to resume. And Bear Bryant, is the legend is Bear Bryant, says to this Penn State guy, hey, y'all better go back there if you're planning on running the ball here. Go back there and tell Joe that ain't going to work. Penn State ran the ball there, and it didn't work. Famous goal line stand by Alabama, one of the most famous moments in that era of college football. You bet that belongs on the list. You bet. Okay. The 1973 Sugar Bowl, Notre Dame 24, Alabama 23. Another number one versus number two game. This was back when the Sugar Bowl was at Tulane University, pre-Super Bowl. This game was played on New Year's Eve. Much like that Fiesta Bowl from 87 where it had the night to itself, number one versus number two, which blew up the hype. Same thing for this game. So this Sugar Bowl was on New Year's Eve, and it had that night all to itself, Air Parsegian versus Bear Bryant, primetime, two Cadillac brands. Uh, so many great players on both of those teams. You bet it belongs on the list. Okay. <laughs> number three. I told you I was an idiot savant, man. Uh, this is pretty impressive. Two, uh, number three. Remember 2000. his answer for politics these days? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this though. <laughs> Get out of my way. I don't know. How to, I don't know how to do what puts food on my table, but I can do this. <laughs> uh, the number three one, 2007 Fiesta Bowl, Boise State 43, Oklahoma 42. The Statue of Liberty play. I remember that. Yeah, uh, I'm fine with it on the list. I don't know that I'd put it this high. I mean, to me, that Miami, if you want to put a contemporary game, that Miami-Ohio State game with a national championship on the line has much more on the line. But this is a very famous game, uh, and and the closing play is one of the more iconic moments in, in recency-biased college football history. So I wouldn't put it this high, but I'm okay with it being on the list. I, I will sell because it is too high. This might be 10. I do remember it, but I remember it in a 
gimmicky sense. This is not those games that you. I mean, the, we've listed multiple games that you just remember. Yeah. That it felt somehow cosmic in the cosmic foot. This does not feel in I any mean, way. Like every that. game we've done so far, with the exception of Joe Montana, had direct bearing on the national championship. This one didn't. Joe Montana, you could argue, is the greatest modern football player. Uh, I wouldn't rank him number one, but you can make that case. And this one, though, really is known, even though it was like 45, 42 or something, if I remember right, it's known more for an iconic play. But it wasn't one of Bob Stoops' better teams at Oklahoma. It's a mid-major Boise State, so I don't think it belongs that high, but I'm okay with it being on the list. All right, number two, this is 1984, Orange Bowl, Miami 31, Nebraska 30. A lot of people would have this game number one. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned earlier, we, I know for, the, for our younger listeners, the, this is what the era was like before we had uh, the Bowl Championship Series and the, now the playoff and the Bowl Alliance where it was easier to pit teams against each other to get the prime matchups. This was a crazy day. Miami of Florida came into this game number five in the country on New Year's Day. All right, and Nebraska was number one. And Nebraska just housed everybody all year, starting with the kickoff classic. They played defending national champion Penn State, uh, and they just they housed them. And they, they housed, boat raced, de-panted, whatever your modern you know uh, euphemism you like. They did it each week. Mike Rogier ran for 2,000 yards, won the Heisman Trophy, had Turner Gill. Irving Fryer was a rare number one overall pick as a wide receiver. This team was loaded. Okay, multiple All-Americans on the offensive line. They just destroyed everyone. They were number one coming in. Miami was number five. Uh, Nebraska. It was a crazy year because number two and number number two was Texas, and they lost to Georgia, or maybe it was Georgia was two and lost to Texas. But whoever was number two was in Georgia. Texas played in the Cotton Bowl. They were number one versus number two, and they lost. Okay. Number three was Auburn. And Auburn, I mean, had Bo Jackson. They, that was an insanely good team. They played my Michigan Wolverines in the Sugar Bowl and were a huge favorite. Michigan finished second in the Big Ten that year to Illinois, of all teams. And so they were a huge favorite, but that game was only 9-3. to three. And so Auburn won, but it was uh, or 9-7, to seven, I think. So, but it was unimpressive, and so they didn't gain any style points. And then I don't remember who was number four. But Miami, they they lost their bowl game. And so Miami, by virtue of beating Nebraska in this game, jumped from number five to number one to win the national championship. And this has one of the most famous coaching calls of all time. Second only to Air Parsegan going for the tie against Michigan State in 66. Nebraska comes back. They can kick an extra point to tie the game at the end, and if they get a tie, they've been number one all year. Nobody else has nobody else has looked great in the bowls. They would have been voted number one. Tom Osborne elects to go for the win and go for two. The pass is incomplete. Miami wins and wins the national championship, and that put Miami on the map from 1983 to 2001. So we're talking less than 20 years, right? 18 years. Four different head coaches won national championships at Miami. Howard Stellenberger, Jimmy Johnson, Dennis Erickson, and uh, Bo uh, Coker. Whatever it came oh, Car- no, I remember later. I, yeah, um, he did it with the guy you're thinking about. But you were thinking Butch, of Butch, not Bo. Butch, he did it with yeah. Butch Davis's players. Was, that was the game that kind of put Miami on the map. So a lot of people think this is the greatest game ever played. I'm fine with it being number two. Okay, number one. The 2006 Rose Bowl, Texas 41, USC 38. Greatest game I ever saw. Um, leading up to that game, ESPN had done a, a, a month worth of specials of whether this USC team was the greatest college football team of all time. They were the defending national champs. They brought every... Matt Leinert, all these guys came back. They had two Heisman Trophy winners playing together. And Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush. You had Lindale White, who was a force of nature. There's something like 40 pros off of that USC team. Um, and then you had Vince Young, who, of course, Texas was very talented, but he was a one-man wrecking ball. I've never seen a force of nature in college football like Vince Young. Never seen anything like it. With the, it well, let me rephrase that. Imagine if Herschel Walker or Bo Jackson could play quarterback with their combination of size and, and speed and power. And that's that's what Vince Young was. 
He was utterly and undeniably unstoppable. It's the last game the iconic voice of the sport, Keith Jackson, ever called. It's in the hallows of hallows at the Rose Bowl. Um, national championship game, down to the wire. It It's a movie. The movie, the game's a cinematic event. And I'm fine with it being number one. You know what? I'm going to say this. I'm not disagreeing. I'm going to say it. still Jeopardy. I've never seen the game. You're kidding me. I've, no, I've never seen the game. I can't remember why, but... Didn't watch I mean, it. you've got you've got Will Ferrell on one sideline with Snoop Dogg, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey on the Texas sideline. I mean, this thing had it had everything you could imagine. Last game of the greatest voice in the history of the sport. It had everything oh, really? you that could. I forgot. Too. It was wow. Keith Jackson's last game. Uh, it's 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 a cinematic event. Is that it? That is it. Now for All some right, breaking qu- news. Quick breaking news. It is confirmed. This has been rumored for about a year now. Confirmed today, Anthony Kennedy is retiring from the U.S. Supreme Court. So President Trump will get to appoint his successor. And this is absolutely a chance to appoint the fifth vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. Kennedy was not a vote to overturn Roe. We know Alito and Thomas uh, and... um, Gorsuch. We don't, well, well we, we know Alito know and sure. Thomas yeah. are. We presume, because he had a fairly good pro-life record as a jurist, although he wrote some bad stuff on the life issue, we presume Roberts is. Gorsuch has no pro-life record at all until the free speech case this week was actually his first pro-life opinion. Um, but at the very least, this is the closest we've ever been to legitimately having a shot to put a fifth vote on the court to overturn Roe. So, um, depending on when his, do we know it's effective when? 31st, July 31st. July 31st, so we could have confirmation hearings this year. Yes. Turn up the freaking pressure. By the way, that was one of my predictions Back in uh, December for the new year, for the new year that we would have not one. Actually, I predicted we might have two. I thought I, I thought it was possible Ruth Bader Ginsburg could step aside as well. And I still think if the Democrats don't retake Congress in November, she's 84, 85, 86 yeah. years old. If the Democrats don't retake Congress in November, I think she could say, "I waited as long as I can, but you know I got to go." So let's get some quick thoughts, and we'll wrap it up here with this thought or with this issue, Todd. Well. You have, uh, and we just the, uh, the uh, while we were talking to a vote on uh, amnesty came down. It was it was destroyed uh, ha- handily. So this is a reset of two years ago. Most of the public ag- agrees that while uh, families should not be uh, taken apart, that they they just should uh, be uh, deported. And they Trump's polling numbers in general are as high as they've ever been. We're resetting the importance of it, not only amnesty, but now the courts. I mean, this is, listen, I'm calling balls and strikes, but it's, it's just setting up uh, for it to be a redux of what happened. But because... Uh, I think by a, a wider margin, just because of people's uh, level of uh, comfort with, um, yeah, the, 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 all the predictable people think that he's crazy or he's a, a cultish god are there. But I think more people, there's all there's some other people just realize, you know what, it's it's weird, it's crazy, but we live in weird and crazy times, and um, I think I'm just going to go this route. Aaron? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people say, well, the never-Trumpers look really dumb now. Um, and if somebody... if There's if, some truth to that. There actually. is some truth to that, yeah. If, especially if Trump um, uh, appoints somebody who's at least a Gorsuch, what we think a Gorsuch could be, or even better. Um, so right now, there will be 100% truth to that if we actually turn up the pressure on President Trump and the decision-makers as far as who he will put up for nomination for the Supreme Court. Now is the time to put that pressure on. Right now, this is not a victory in and of itself. This is an opening. It's not a victory in and of itself. So that is, uh, it's, for what you just said, close as we've come 
to having a fifth vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. That is, guys, that's 40 years in the making, 30 years in the making. Um, cannot be overstated. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast here on Westwood One. Don't forget uh, the show today on CRTV, crtv.com, promo code DACE. Uh, use that, my last name, to get a discounted subscription just a quarter a day. And listen, if you get a chance, please subscribe here on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us a positive review. So many of you have done that already. Thank you very much for doing so. If you're willing to do the same, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like you.